When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Hello, Her Hoop Stats fans. We are welcoming you in once again to Courtside with Christy and Gabe. I am Christy Winter Scott, and as always, joined Courtside with his box of popcorn. I have my cranberry juice, no ice, and a lime, but Gabe always has his popcorn with me right here Courtside as we discuss all things hoops. WNBA, it's going to be another fantastic show. Gabe, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I have coffee today because full disclosure, <laughs> this is, we're, we're doing this in the morning. We typically do it on Wednesday afternoons, um, but we tried and then uh, unsurprisingly, Christy had something basketball related to do. Yeah, it's um, up, so. pop, a pop-up hoop uh, situation. Yeah. So we, we, had to, we had to scramble, <laughs> but luckily, luckily, it all worked out because if we had recorded yesterday afternoon, just as we would have gone off, we would have learned the news that uh, Brian Agler and the Dallas Wings are mutually separating, uh, uh, a, a conscious decoupling. I don't just whatever term you want to use. He's yeah. no longer the coach in Dallas, which is insane to me a little bit. It just kind of. I'm not shocked when I thought about it. I just didn't think it was going to happen. What was your like initial reaction to it, Christy? No, I was shocked. And, and we'll discuss it not just on this podcast, on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network, but across the network. And hey, tell people where they can mm. find us on, on uh, social yeah. real quick That's before what... we get into that. Because I have a lot to say. I don't want to hamper the time on that <laughs> this is a good this is called a plug in the business christy winter scott one of the best in the biggest business um you can you can follow her hoop stats at her hoop stats uh definitely suggest you do that because 
ton of great content coming out. Get on uh, the Her Hoop Substack email newsletter, um, and you will find all some great articles coming out. I mean, they have, um, we have, excuse me, because I'm going to be working on some of these too. Uh, we have season reviews and uh, off-season previews for every team coming out. Uh, so it's going to be a great like time right now, even though it's the off season with college starting and we're looking ahead to WNBA free agency. So get on all of that. You can follow me on Twitter at Gabe underscore Ibrahim and Christy, where can the people follow you? At Christy W Scott five one on both Twitter and IG Christy with the Y, not an I get it together. Yes. You can find me there and it's all hoops all the time. And it's so much fun. And uh, you know, getting back to what we were saying, about Brian Agler, I was quite shocked with the youngest roster in the WNBA for Dallas to make that move. I was a bit baffled. And, you know, you never know what's going on or what kind of changes, you know, the organization sees that they need to make. So, you know, I'm not making any judgments, but personally, my initial reaction when I saw the news, I was surprised and shocked that um, that, that would happen especially again with, with such a young team in Dallas and a great upside. And they said it was a mutual agreement so or a mutual decision for that to happen. So I, I don't know. It was, it was a little bit bizarre to me. Um, but then again, you know, we don't know all the inner workings, so we can't really say. But that was my initial reaction. I was surprised by that. Well, I guess the place to start for me is um, – so it is mutual – whatever mutual in in air quotes because you know right someone wanted the other person gone whether it was brian wanted to leave the wings or the wings wanted brian to leave someone wanted that more than the other that's how all breakups work everyone who's been in a breakup you obviously know this um but i I wanted to ask you what do you think of the job he did this season because to me i don't think I don't think if it was if it was more of a, a firing than a than a resigning. Okay. Um, I don't think that was warranted if it was based on the job he did this season. So, what did you think about the job he did this season with that roster? Yeah, I thought he did a terrific job. I mean, Satu Sabli, the rookie. I mean, how fantastic mm-hmm. was she? I mean, I I'm just a, a complete fan of her skill set and mm-hmm. her upside. And Arike Agumbawale. I mean, she was leading the league and scoring. I mean, you got these young players, Satu Sabli, a rookie, and then Arike Agumbawale in her second season in the league and doing what she was able to do. I just think, you know, the full body of work with the young squad, I mean, all you want to see is them work hard. And I thought that they did that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they have an incredible team and I thought that he did really well. And, you know, he wasn't at the bottom of the, (laughs) of the league standings Mm -hmm. with this young squad. And, and I think if you ask anybody who was around the league, covered the league, watched the league all season, they would say the same thing that when, Whoever played Dallas, they were going to be in a battle. <laughs> You're yeah. going to be challenged flat out. And, I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due for that. With the young team, Brian Agler was able to mold them, uh, get them to play as hard as they could um, with who they had. And, you know, sadly missed a handful of games. I mean, people were in and out. You know, Harrison, you know, missed half the season, you know, mm-hmm. with her ankle. So, I mean, they had players in and out, but they were still right at the doorstep of making a playoff appearance. So, I mean, it wasn't that they did poorly. I thought that they did really well for what they had in terms of their youth and inexperience. I I just thought that they they had a great 
culture and, and energy and they came to the court night in and night out. They got, they had progress, which is like yes. anyway, coming into this season. Yep. The thing I wanted to see from Dallas, like a playoff appearance would be great, mm-hmm. but I want to see progress from Arike right. to say, yep. okay, is Arike the star player that we, we saw last year? Is he the right. person we're going to build around? I think, boom, you 100% saw it. Yep. Did Satu Sabla get better? Did we see what she, what she has potential to be? Of course. Absolutely. Did he find did he find some other players on that roster that could help the team going forward? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So to me, it was it was more like, well, he he completed all the goals. Like he came one game short of the playoffs. Um, and that's you know, I, I can see why that would be a, a an issue, but I don't think right, right. Cer- certainly to me, it was not based um whatever whatever decision wasn't based on what happened on the court this year i don't um, think yeah because it's just like they got a, they got all the things they wanted yeah um they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a team with a bright future going forward mm-hmm. and you have and brian's you know one of the best coaches in this league i mean right? Am I, <laughs> can we talk about that a little bit i mean yeah. you know outside of you know him being the overall uh top win getter in professional women's basketball. We're including the ABL in this because we know that mm-hmm. Mike Tebow has the most wins in the WNBA, but Brian Agler, I mean, he won championships, mm-hmm. you know, with the Columbus quest. He won a championship, you know, with, wow. with, uh, was it with LA in 2016? Yes. Most, most recently. He's and, won, so I he mean, won with Seattle in 2010 yes. and then in uh, LA in 2016. Yeah. Um, and the and ABL. Yeah, the bringing it back to Columbus Quest. Hey, take it on back. I mean, let's, let's <laughs> discuss. I mean, this is a, a man who has quite a track record of success, right? And mm-hmm. when you're talking about wins and losses, I mean, when you're talking about coaches, isn't that what comes up most times, right? Like, well, you know, how, how have they been in terms of their winning percentage and number of wins? Well, he's been tremendous. He's been at the top of the list. So, I mean, I'm sure he's going to land on his feet. Uh, you know, I, I, in terms of coaching again, I, I just don't want the game to lose him because I feel like he has such uh, a great mind for the game. He's, mm-hmm. he's a great coach. And I just, you know, I'm going to advocate for coaches whenever I can because I coach. So I understand how that whole dynamic works. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, it's got to be a right fit. Just like for players, it has to be a right fit. And I know – you were saying that. I mean, you're a Miami Heat fan. You're talking about yep. Jimmy Butler and and how, you know, you just have to find the right fit. And sometimes it's not that first stop. Sometimes it stops after that. So, you know, hopefully he will uh, stay in the game. I just don't want that to be it for him. I, I want him to be able to stay in the game for sure. Yeah, just I, the issue this year is like, I don't think there's going to be another head coaching job open, right? Like, Mm-mm. You know, I mean, not the, that the we every, see right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get like the, the only three I could possibly think of that could have, I mean, two that could have a change would be Atlanta, but they love Nikki Collin. I think Nikki yeah. Collin's a great coach. She I don't is. think, I think she has, she has, she's gotten buy-in from her team. It just hasn't worked out. And maybe after another year, if it's not working out, then maybe you make a change. LA could make a change because they've fallen short of expectations, but I think they kind of have, some excuses as to falling short of expectations. So, right, right, and I, right. I don't think he's going back to LA. There, I <laughs> a mean, job, right. Yeah, so it's no, like, no, I don't know. Um, 
what the next move is. Maybe, maybe, I mean, you know, Brian's been coaching. I'm, I'm looking at his resume now. He took yeah. off the 2003 season mm-hmm. in between being the Minnesota Lynx head coach and then being a Phoenix Mercury assistant. Mm-hmm. And then since then he's been working straight through until now. Mm-hmm. So that's 16 straight years yeah. of work. Um, so he may want to take a, a breather for a year. I mean, I, you know, I, if he wants, or he can go back to college or he can be an assistant coach. Um, all those things are, are there. Um, I don't want to speculate too much into what happened, especially I don't want to get into yeah. like the Penny Toller lawsuit because that's going, that, that's going yeah. to arbitration. That's stuff. We don't know what happened. Those are allegations. And, you know, per, personally, I don't, we have, I have no clue what happened there. Yeah, that, that was shouldn't... messy. I don't know what happened. And it, more came out yesterday about it, you know, than I had heard of previously. So I, you know, I, I don't, like you said, no speculations there. And plus that doesn't, if that was, if that was an issue, he would have been gone last right. year. Thank you. But, right. um, so, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point. Um, but the thing that does matter, I think, is that you got a couple different things going on here. Mm-hmm. So I think, as you mentioned, uh, before we got on, Greg Bibb is a big personality. Uh, I also think Brian Agler is a big personality. Those two, two guys who um, are passionate, you know, we've seen them both get heated, both Agler and Games. We saw Greg Big get heated with Fred Williams at the end of Fred Williams' tenure in Dallas. Um, there's a possibility that things got heated. Um, I think just both of them being big personalities make them more likely to openly disagree with one another. Yeah, uh, I, I think in D.C. that happened with Fred Williams right. when Dallas came into town. And, you know, I've known Greg. He worked with the, the Wizards and Mystics. So I did camps at clinics for years with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, great guy, great guy. But, you know, who know, like we said at the beginning, like we don't know mm-hmm. the inner workings and the dynamics of certain situations, right? So we're not going to obviously speculate that either. But at the same time, if you're involved in athletics and you aren't passionate, then you shouldn't be in it. So right. I, I give them both credit for having that kind of love for the game. Um, but again, you know, I don't know what the, what the decision came down to ultimately. And... You know, we'll see who ends up there. And I think that's the question on the table right now is who takes over in Dallas. And, you know, I think, you know, Crystal Robinson is is down there on staff and knows those players. I think that would be an easy slide over of six inches Mm -hmm. from one, the assistant coach's chair to the head coach's chair. But, you know, you never know. You never know. But I know uh, a lot of names are getting thrown around. Uh, so I saw Pokey Chapman get thrown around. Mm-hmm. I think I'd really like that because you know, I Pokey's uh, Pokey's Pokey play, uh, was the coach in Chicago in 2018. She got replaced by James Wade. And Chicago um, before that. In Chicago, yeah. Um, so po- Pokey's a great coach. Obviously, I mean, obviously. Oh no, I'm sorry. She was in Indiana last year. Right? Am I am I making yeah. that right? Yeah. She was yeah, yeah. she was in Chicago. She had Deladon as a rookie and all of that at, yeah. uh, during that time, and then went to Indiana, and yeah, la- this past season was her yeah. first season out for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think um, I I'd really like that. Um, first off, obvi- obviously, I think Pokey's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she has some some uh, shortcomings as far as maybe strategy in the modern game. I think she kind of holds on to some of her old school, uh, you know, strategy beliefs, but I think what she really does and what 
Dallas desperately needs is someone who's going to install stability and, and culture. And I really thought that was going to be Brian Agler. Mm. That didn't work out, but right. Right. <laughs> I'd love to see Pokey get another shot to, you know, stabilize the franchise, teach the young players on this team, mm-hmm. what it's like to be a pro yeah, and, then, and, and introduce some stability into the organization for, you know, three, four years. And then we'll see where we are at that point. But I, I think Pokey would be a great hire. Um, yeah. Similar. I mean, any, any other name, like Amber stocks uh, probably deserves another shot. Totally cool with her getting one. Katie Smith's. I'm just looking at lists of people that are being thrown yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. This on this list, Latricia Trammell from LA, um, the assistant coach there, Brandy Poole, the assistant coach in Connecticut. I think all those, uh, all those people would be great, but Pokey was the one that was like, oh man, that would really make sense. Yeah. And you know, I've known Pokey since we were in high school. We played, oh, really? a- we played AAU ball, a little fun fact, a little nugget for you. Mm. Um, she played for the Dominoes out of Louisiana. And I played oh. for the Vogues here in Virginia. That was the Vogues were the only team here. And now there's like a hundred <laughs> teams, which is fantastic for opportunities for our young girls. But um, yeah, we had some battles. We had some battles. And then obviously she went on to be an All-American at LSU and, and coached there as an assistant. And anyway, so just um, battling it out with her as a teenager. And now seeing when we see each other, we always bring it back to that. And just the ability to stay around the game. And, and I think that Pokey has, and like you said, you know, she does have a foundation with mm-hmm. her knowledge. And Sue Gunter was her coach at LSU and she sat under her as an assistant and associate head coach down there at LSU. So yeah, a lot of her, her, a lot of her stuff that, that she's bringing to the WNBA game is from that time, but they were successful. They went to final fours. They won, you know, and I think for, for Pokey, I think you have to obviously keep a hand on the past, but also keep a hand on the present. And I think she does that. I think she does that. I've seen her, you know, before games in the league and, you know, she has her playbook and she's flipping through and there are so many great actions and and things to try to um, maximize the the positive um, attributes in terms of skill set that her players bring to the table. So, I mean, I think, I know she would be chomping at the bit to get back into it. I do know that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I think that that's for every coach. I think needs to have like what you said is to you know have your foundation and your philosophy, what you like to do, but also mold that and make it fit to who you have on the roster, mm-hmm. right? So you can't come in and say, "Hey, this is what we're doing," and then you have a Rika Gumbawale who could get loose like some other way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So or a Satu Sabli who could get loose another way. So you have to you have to be adaptable, and I, I think she would be a great candidate. Um, and I think she would be able to do that. And I mean, I think all coaches need to have that kind of flexibility. I'm still working on that. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to, you know, you want, you want the game played a certain way, but your players will dictate what that way is sometimes. And you kind of have to free flow and, and kind of allow that to happen and then set them up. Like you might, it might not be, you know what? Yeah, be yeah. You gotta be flexible. To I think exactly. I mean, that'd be what yeah. we have to do. Yeah. So I think she would be a great candidate for that. Um, I mean, there there are a lot of names out there. You know, Katie Smith was in New York, like you said, and was a um, an assistant coach with Minnesota this past year. I think that would be fun for her as well. But you know, you just never know. I, I, I saw Lisa Leslie's name pop up as a possibility because she won the 
championship in the big three. So, and she's a champion, oh. championship coach, uh, you know? <laughs> so I saw Nancy Lieberman's name win. Really? Really? Nice. Yeah. Nan- Nancy would be a great coach. Yeah. That'd be, a, that'd be great. But you gotta, you gotta, I feel like with either Nancy or Lisa, I mean, you want to talk about a personality, right? Like, <laughs> you're gonna have to kind of get let them have as have some room they're winners um, man they're winners winners they, they, on all levels winners. man so can't go wrong yep. i think you know they're gonna have they're gonna make a great choice but you know i think there are a lot of great options out there so uh i have two more things on this so guess how many yeah. coaches in the WNBA are former WNBA players are we talking head coaches head coaches right now oh i would say Probably zero. It's one. Sandy Brondello. Oh, Sandy, you're right. Yes. Back in the Miami, My, the Miami Soul right. Zone. I you're saw right. my, I saw you're I saw right. Sandy I Brondello Sandy. play Shoot. when I was a kid, actually. No, um, me, yeah, me too. I was I was a kid too when I saw. Her. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I know. I totally forgot. Yeah, no. Yeah, that slipped my mind because I was like just you know flipping through the the Rolodex of coaches there and yeah. missed on Sandy. But yeah, yeah, no, she was she was terrific. So yeah, let's get let's get a former WNBA player. I mean, I know Pokey didn't play in the WNBA, and I was just advocating for a good job. She, would, sure. she would have. She would, she would have. have if, if her mom had her, you know, five or six years, you know, later, <laughs> she'd be in there. But go uh, ahead. <laughs> so I think a, a former uh, WNBA player would be great. And let, let's get a black woman into the the head coaching office. It doesn't. You have unlimited choices right now. Yeah. Yeah. So your choices, I mean, you, you can just limit the pool to black women and say, we'll have a great candidate, whether that's Crystal Robinson, uh, who, like you mentioned, is on staff, who knows mm-hmm. this team, who has built a relationship there, who right. I think would be great. Um, yep. And she's been a she's been a assistant coach now, or uh, she's been a, a basketball coach for 15 years. Yeah, so she played with pl- the Mystics, too. Plenty of experience there. Yeah. If you want to go with someone outside the organization, I think Asia Jones in D.C., as much as we would hate to lose her. Yeah, I think she'd be a great hire, um, and then and then um, you know like Elisa, you know go try to find the best black woman candidate because I think that's where we are in in the WNBA right now, and that's where you should be looking for that. That's what your pool of coaches should be. Yeah, I just think you know when you're you're talking about this this summer, this past season, and how you know the statistics came out, you know that over eighty percent of the league is is black women mm-hmm. and you know i think it makes a difference to be able to have black women represented in leadership roles not just as team captains on the court but also on the sidelines with a clipboard and and coaching these mm-hmm. dynamic women up uh, i think it's it's a great opportunity right now for dallas to do that and you know I, i'm just anxious to see how it how it pans out because I know I've seen a lot of tweets saying just what you said Gabe is to you know let's hire a black woman in Dallas Mm -hmm. and that's the tweet that's like that's it it's not some long oh verbose (laughs) kind of response but it's like period end of sentence um so I just think a lot of people are are waiting for that same thing to to occur and that same opportunity um, to be granted um, and earned to a black woman who will continue to represent the league for what it stands for and it is for the diversity is for the inclusivity it's for the uh powerful statements that can be made by representation and i think dallas again has has a great opportunity to make that kind of move this season or next they could hire they could hire all all black woman 
coaching staff. And I promise you, it'll do just as good as having anybody else because you never yeah. look. It's all you never great. know with a coach. A coach can a coach can come in to a situation and it's a perfect fit, and then they right. take your team to the championship. A coach can come into a situation. Look at Brian Agler, right? Like who would have guessed when Brian Agler came into this to this situation mm-hmm. with all his with all his accolades, with all the stuff that he has done in this league, that it would be that he would be gone in two years. So right. Right. I think like just give someone a chance to to make you know give someone a chance because now's yeah. the time. I think it would also it, it would uh, endear is the word I'm thinking about, but I'm not sure if there's a better word. Like it would create a better relationship with your players. Is is after everything they've done this summer for not just themselves but for Black women writ large. Yep. Yep. Today, we yep. see you. We understand yep. what you what the work you have done. We're gonna we're gonna do this in this way for you. Yeah. Um, so I think and, that's that's what you have to. I think you just limit your pool. You say, okay, we're hiring a black woman. That's yeah. That's the that's the type of person. We're and that's what Alicia Clark. If you find that somewhere on on social or, or Google it somewhere, just her her post game comments. Um, Alicia Clark from the Seattle Storm. Uh, you know, she said just what you said. We see you. We hear you. You know, and she was talking to our our black girls and our black women. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's, and I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I, I've seen it, how I've felt it. I have a, a black daughter mm-hmm. who's a teenager. I, I've seen it and I feel it um, on her level as well. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely out there um, in terms of, you know, they, they sometimes look at that before they look at their credentials or before they look at your abilities, before they look at, uh, what they they think you can do, um, you're already placed in a box before you even are are able to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And then when you do prove yourself, go undefeated. <laughs> and I mean, I, don't get me started, man. I I have was this the coach of the year? Year? Yeah, man. I mean, and not that I, you know, I told you this before. I don't, I don't ever. I never played for uh, an award, like I, yeah. you know. And I I, don't, I would never speak on that as a player, like man you shake a hand like that just go ahead let's go but it's just you know when it when it comes down to it you just feel a certain way about um your efforts not being not being seen or heard it's like you're you're busting it out here and no matter what you do no matter how well you do no matter how successful unblemished record and you know you you still see yeah, that's still not good enough. <laughs> and it's not about you is what I was told. It's not about you. Really? Um, it is. And, and, it, and it will always be like that until people are given opportunities and until people are um, seen for what they have done and what they are mm-hmm. capable of doing. And, and for me, that, that slight personally for me was not even about me. It was about the girls. Cause they're the ones who are saying, Oh wow. Coach like, wow. What, what, what else do you have to do? I'm like, man, I don't know. You know? And I feel bad for them. Cause it's not about, I don't care. Like I personally, I don't care, but I want them to see that their work is worth it. And I want them to see that it shouldn't go unnoticed when a black woman does something well. So it's, it's for them. And as much as people think, Oh my God, like she thinks that I'm just because she wants that award. No, I don't. I want our young girls to see that 
when they put in the work and they do exceptionally well with it and are undefeated with it, then there should be some kind of respect given, period. And mm -hmm. that's what it's about. And the fact that we're still fighting for that, we're still fighting for so many things. But the fact that, you know, we're still fighting that way, I mean, it just makes me stronger in terms of mm -hmm. fighting harder for, for justice to be done, you know, just across the board and see people for who they are and not necessarily uh, anything else. Like, are you doing the work? Did you do the work? Did you uh, complete the course? <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you, you get, you, you turn in all your homework and you get 100s on everything and then you get a B. <laughs> it's like, how is that possible? Well, it's not about you. Well, what is it about then? Because clearly I've done the work. Clearly I've, I have 100s on, on all my quizzes and tests, but my final grade is a B because of what? That's, that's what we deal with as black women. That's what we deal with. And, and it's not fun, you know, to be fourth on the totem pole socially um, in terms of respect. And like Malcolm X said, you know, black women are the least respected in, in the world. And it's true. And, it's, and it needs to change. And, and I'll keep tooting that horn because I, I want my daughter to be my age and have to be saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Or her daughter. Or her daughter. Bump that. We, we don't have time. And it, you know, we just have to have respect for everyone for what they do and how they do it. Period. Point blank. That's the end of it. I'm sorry for ranting, but I no, just that was had, a great I rant. had to get it off. My if, if any, if anyone was confused though about the specific event we were talking about, uh, Chrissy was an undefeated head coach, the head coach of an undefeated team in uh, which league was it? Um, the Liberty District, and the and it was just the Liberty District that we were undefeated. We were thirteen and zero conference play won the championship so, and she did not get the head, the coach of the year which frankly i don't know who won coach of the year but it seems ridiculous as you're mentioning but it applies it applies especially in this situation where we're talking about a, a pokey chapman a, a a crystal robinson you know mm -hmm. Chris, crystal like i just mentioned 15 years of coaching experience honestly it's time for that to be recognized yeah for her to be elevated because she's earned she's earned that spot she deserves that spot and to send the message to your team and to the That's league right. that we're listening and we, we want, we want to, we want whoever's next. If that's Satsu, if whoever is in the league coming right. up next to say, Hey, I can be a WNBA head coach because they will see my work and, and recognize it. Like and you you're worthy and you're worthy and, and you deserve it because it's not because you get it handed to you because I don't want anything handed to me anyway. Mm -hmm. I'll work for it. But then when you work for it and you do well, then there should be some kind of uh, respect given. And the respect is given to the players, right? And, mm -hmm. and the players who are coming after that, you know, the kids who are in elementary school who see that, the little black girls who see that. And not, you know, the continuing, uh, uh, you know, to be smacked in the face. For what? Like, we, we already know what it is. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I agree. I hope I hope we get I hope we get I hope we get the right decision here from um, yeah. and none of this like oh we're looking for the best candidate. No, like the best candidate is who you define the best candidate. Exactly. So if you just say, hey, the best candidate's gonna be a black woman, guess what? The best candidate's a black woman. What crazy, insane thought to just say, hey, that's what we're gonna do. Right. Yeah. You know? 
And you don't have to say, oh, we're going to interview everyone and talk to every person. It's like, nope. Cheryl Reeve just did this. Yeah, she the, sure did. Look at her. The staff. best coach of basketball was like, well, in, I, I, I'm, I'm going to – sorry, Eric. Uh, small strip. But Cheryl Reeve, the best coach of basketball, just said um, that she wants an all-woman all staff. Yep. And guess what? She hired all women stuff. Yes, guess she what? did. It worked out great. Did it sure so did. Just look say, at it. I mean, just say that's who we're hiring. Mm. And you know, I, I I hope I hope they uh they do the right thing. Yeah, I'm um, anxious to see that what that looks like in you know in a little while, a couple months. They need some stability for real. Like yes. just wh whoever you whoever you hire, make sure if you're on the right page with them, please. <laughs> like <laughs> make sure they understand your expectations. Right. Because because like I'm a front office minded person, right? So mm. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm very like a contracts and all this. And right. The, the biggest thing is, as a as a front office person, is the organization. Everybody comes in, and they know their job. Yeah. This is your job. This role. is your role. This yep. is what you do. You mm. come in. You understand. This is the person. I'm, right. Like, as basketball organizations are the same as your work organizations. Exactly. So when you when you go into work and you say, "Hey, this is the person I talk to. This is the this is my job. This is what I do. That's what that person does." Right. That's what you need. And I'm not sure that really is what's happening in Dallas. And hopefully they'll they'll get it going. I mean, Greg Bibbs a, a young um, GM. What this is his like fourth or fifth year on the job, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. So you know, it, it takes some time to get used to. But that that to me is the the biggest thing is get someone who's going to make sure like everyone knows what they're doing, right, and who they're talking to. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be a key. That's going to be a key. That's, that's key everywhere, but especially for, for Dallas, you know, their young team, I, you know, this is a, I think this is a, an extremely important hire as well, mm -hmm. you know, for, for the careers of those young kids. I mean, I think if I have my, my nugget of information correctly, I mean, I, I believe they were the youngest team. Um, it was between them and New York uh, yeah. that age wise were the youngest. So Come on, man. It's got to be a strong hire. It's got to be, like you said, someone who's going to mold these young women as professionals, right? You don't have like a whole roster full of, of vets, you know, they've been in the league more than five or six years. You've got mm -hmm. these babies, man. You've got to yeah, get somebody in there who's going to be able to teach them the ropes and, um, and get them to do what they need to do the best way they can do it. So I think it's going to be fun to see uh, what they do there. They should, they should, uh, they should give Mike transition time. Uh, they should give Mike Tebow a call to see how he's done it in DC because DC, yeah. they have the setup I just talked about. Yep. Everyone comes in, they know their job. They know who to talk to. They know, they know that they can be themselves. Right. Yep. That's what you need to do. Right. Like that, that's the kind of organization you want. Um, and then yeah. speaking of DC, let's talk, uh, let's talk, right. That was a great transition. I did that a great job. So there. Good. That was smooth, yep. Gabe. <laughs> I I uh, I think uh, I think that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, let's get into let's get into DC season uh, yeah. and review what they did. Talk about their future. So, um, Christy, what was it? What was the thing that you know stuck out to you the most? As a let's start on the positive side. We like to be happy here. Yeah, what was the thing that good. stuck out to you on the positive side uh, for the team overall this season? I just think you know the way they started the season. Number one, uh, winning their first three games. I think that was a statement. Yeah. And I know, you know, things happen after that. I get it. Okay. Um, losing 12 of the next 13 games. But I, I get that. But at the same time, I think they were making a statement like, 
we're still down here, even though we're missing pieces, obviously, four starters not here with us, MVP, Elena Deladon, not here with us, we get it, but we can still play. And Mike Tebow is still holding the clipboard on the sidelines as the head coach and GM. So I just, I love that. I, I, I love the, the feeling after, after the third win in a row, right? Right. Uh, and, and everyone was kind of like, oh, we had counted them out, but boom, here they are. I, I love that feeling. And uh, to go along with that, um, the ability to basically have games every other day during that stretch of games um, to lose aerial powers um, three games into that mm -hmm. losing streak uh, with the hamstring injury that was it for her for the season. Uh, and she was averaging almost 17 a game at that point leading the team and she had that energy i right. just think when she left the wobble bubble um you know they could have folded emotionally and said ah that's it but there was still some fight left in this group and oh, yeah. so for me i was impressed by the fight i was impressed that coach tebow said on many occasions on the zoom calls that we had with him uh after practices almost daily uh every other day when they had the games was, was basically, hey, we're looking at the big picture. You know, we still want to make the playoffs. Don't get us wrong. We're still fighting for that, and we can still get in miraculously, like with the record that was, you know, really slipping in an avalanche kind mm -hmm. of way uh, to the negative. We still have a chance to make the playoffs. So, yeah, we're fighting for that, and they got in. So, for me, I'm like, listen, yeah, Stella Johnson, who came in and, and knocked in those six threes, had those 25 points and the, like blew the doors off, you know, and then you have Shook Sutton who came in and said she wanted to bring poise and, and energy to the point guard position and Leilani Mitchell, who just led the team to the playoffs, set the table for mm -hmm. the squad in so many ways, Emma Mieseman changing her role, uh, career high and assist on average this season for Emma and you know, I, I, I was just super proud of Maisha Hines-Allen and yep. Ariel Atkins and Tiana Hawkins for taking another step forward in their leadership roles, not just statistically, but off the court. You know, Ariel Atkins just bringing her voice off the court um, for the Say Her Name initiative and, and really making her points mm -hmm. concise and, and right there for everyone to hear and to see. I just thought it was it was a magnificent season. And then for Mike Tebow to get the team back to the playoffs and yeah. and and get in there and fight the way that they did, you know, against Phoenix, it, it was a tough way to go out. But I tell you what, they didn't get blown off the floor, though. They were fighting. And, you know, although they didn't advance past the first round, I, I would just – for the whole season, and I know we had just a couple segments there that we were talking about, but for the whole season, from day one to the end of the day, I believe that this team was stretched beyond anything that they could have imagined right. on, on and off the court, you know, emotionally, physically, you know, I just think that they were stretched beyond. And I asked Coach Tebow that, like, what stretched you the most, you know, from day one to, to now? And he just said, you know, when he coached in the CBA, he had – players you know four players gone in a week moving up yeah. to the nba and he had to like hurry up and figure out the adjustments to be made so he's like well it's not the first time you know so i think he was he was ready for that kind of challenge but 
I just think that, you know, the social climate, I think, stretched all the players in the league. But I think for Washington to be in the most powerful city in the world, in D.C., and to be the team that kind of had, had the light on them uh, with Jacob Blake's situation and the bullet holes in their shirt, mm-hmm. I just think that it, it just far superseded basketball in yes, so many too. ways. But I'm just so proud of them. And the fight that they had on the court through adversity, through a huge uh, streak of, of losing games, and then to fight to get to the playoffs. And then once they're in the playoffs, a fight while they're there. And then the fight off the court as well for, for justice for all. I, I just think that, you know, you can't say enough about what the Mystics did in that regard this year. I think I, I, every, in everything you just said, the thing that I was happiest with for the, for the Mystics, and obviously we're Mystics homers. Like we live here, we cover the hey. team. We're, we're there all the time. Like we're, we're, this, is, this is 100% Mystic homerism. But they showed championship mentality in every yes. single aspect of what they did, yep. whether it was on the court dealing with injuries and dealing with losing streaks and, and coming back and saying, no, we're not going to die. We're not going right. to give up on this season, like you mentioned. Right. That that's championship mentality. Yeah. Whether it it was getting better every day in practice when it wasn't going well, and saying, "Hey, we're going to figure out something because we got to get we got to get back to winning because that's all we know." Yep. That's a championship mentality. That's a culture. You know, culture. I, I I love talking about heat culture. Mystics culture is there with it. It's it's yep. that same sort of deal. Um, that you just ne- you never take a day off. You always work hard. You always have the have the next step towards winning. And I think off the court this year, they showed championship mentality in terms of what they did for social justice. They didn't just say, you know, we're gonna, you know, I'm not saying any team did this, but like they didn't just go along with what everyone else is doing. They blazed the tr- the, the the trail, right? Yeah. They said this is what we're gonna this is what we're gonna do. This is what we believe. And especially in Ariel Atkins. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, I I I mean, Ariel's what, 23 now? A baby, man, I'm telling you. But boy, she, the upside is insane, right? That she's 24 now. Um, but she she is a great basketball player. Mm-hmm. But I think what we saw from her this year was just leadership in a way that I didn't expect because I think on teams in 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 the past couple of years, you know, she always had a, a Natasha Cloud to to sort of speak for her or uh, 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 Christy Tolliver speak for her. I remember Christy Tolliver last year in the playoffs saying, you know, little A is going to do what little A does. <laughs> and it was almost – and I love that because, you know, that's your teammate standing up for you. But I was also like, no, I'd love to hear from from Ariel Atkins. You know, I want to hear her say what she's doing. And I think what she did this year was say, this is important to me, social mm-hmm. justice, uh, uh, the fight against police brutality, the fight to end racism those things were important to her. And she said, I'm going to use my voice for this and push myself here to make sure that people hear my voice in in this situation. And I think that also then extended to everything else she did both on the court and and in the locker room Mm -hmm. to say, I'm the leader of this team now. You know, I I think that's gonna, to me, that's what championship culture means is when you have players growing and saying, I feel comfortable with who I am to do something that I was possibly uncomfortable with before. So to me, that was, that was the most encouraging thing, uh, especially off the court, but both on the court was this team showing that like, we, we do have the championship culture. We do have that championship mentality um, and maturity to to continue, continue at it. Um, 
So that's all the good stuff. Um, what was your, I'll go, I'll go first on the negative side, I guess. Okay. So my, my negative this year was I was a little bit um, disappointed in, in Emma Miesemann's season. Um, I know she had, she had to deal with such a different role. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to take away from that because she went from kind of being the third, the second or third option on a very good team with the best player in the world next to her to being the first option on a team where, um, you know, the, the rest of her, the talent around her was not necessarily of that, of the, the greatest quality and also of so much, with so much change, right? Like she's used to Natasha Cloud feeding her in the post. She's yep. used to Chris Tolliver feeding her in her post this year. Was many different players feeding her in the post. Um, but still, uh, she didn't shoot well from the field particularly she didn't shoot well from three particularly she also missed a bunch of like little bunnies right in the paint um I think to me that was all just kind of a little bit of of nerves a little bit of just just rushing things when when you're that first option and to me I thought you know after her performance in the finals last year I thought she could be a first option and now after this season I'm a little less convinced of that um, uh yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you though. I, I, you know, it was different for Emma, but I also think that, you know, it wasn't just the players who she was playing with, and the dynamics of yeah, that that yeah. changed. But it was also now, okay, you don't have Elena Deladon, the MVP. You don't have Cloud. You don't have Tolliver Sanders. Uh, Tina Charles was supposed to be here. Uh, you know, there are all these pieces missing, and then wow, then you you take another piece of the puzzle away with Ariel Powers leaving, you know, midway through. So it's like, hey man, listen. Yeah. She's gonna see different kind of defensive coverages that she's used to. Um, you know, even in Belgium. I mean she's she's gonna see, you know, double and triple teams. So I feel what you're saying and and her shot and her shooting percentage may have been a little bit lower, but her minutes were increased as well. And yes. they're playing every other day. So now you're talking about fatigue being a factor. So you have fatigue, and then you have double and triple teams coming at you. But then her ability to find players out of double and triple team, that was something different for her. Yeah. And I thought, you know, for her percentage from three and her percentage from the floor, in spite of that not being up to her numbers last year, because of who she was playing with and because of the minutes that she was playing, now this year it, it was tougher for her, I think, to to be as efficient because now, you know, it becomes a physical mm -hmm. equation, you know? Like, okay, now let's look at the minutes she's playing. Now let's balance out, you know, her percentages. But it's also the coverages. I think she was seeing a lot of different yeah. uh, kinds of looks that way. And that's a challenge. I don't. I mean, I don't know any player who could do that. I mean, you peel away, you know, four starters like from yeah. from from L.A. How about okay? Let's look at the the Lakers. You peel away um, yeah. four starters from that team, and now okay, Anthony Davis. Let's see what you do now mm -hmm. without LeBron. You know, without yeah. you know everybody else. Hey, let's go. Let's see what that looks like. I'm sure no, his, I I, I'm sure his numbers would drop. I'm sure his his time would increase, and in the bubble, you're playing every other day. So I mean, and I'm not excusing it. I'm just seeing the whole yeah. thing. I'm seeing the whole thing, and I think for her, I know it was incredibly frustrating 
you know, she was on those Zoom calls too, and you saw her yeah. on those. Like she, you know, she's like, I, I, I got to shoot better. And I think the biggest thing for Emma, since she's been a rookie, I think has been to stay aggressive. Yes. Right? When you catch that ball, yes, you're going to see different coverages. Okay. But you've got to stay aggressive whether, you, whether you're going to shoot it or not. You know, you've got to look the part, right? You've got to look the part. Whether you pull the shot or not, you've got to be in triple threat. You've got to be, you know, you're not going to catch it put over your head, you know, because mm -hmm. that's like that you're giving in, right? So you got to, hey, catch it. I can shoot if I want to. Like, you always have to be a threat. You always have to have an aggressive mindset. And I think, you know, when Emma is doing that, She's at her absolute best, whether her percentages are up or down. Um, I just think when she stays aggressive, she's the best that she can be. And I think, you know, we saw that uh, in stretches this season. Obviously, um, you know, with, with the situation being what it was, I think yeah. it, was, um, it just presented a, a huge challenge for her uh, to do what she did last year for a lot of reasons. No, I agree. And, and she did get better throughout the year. And, you know, I, it, to me, I, I'm not trying like, Emma's still a really great player, but she, yeah, no to me, it was like, I expected her to be on that short list of players who could be, you know, always whatever the situation was the top scorer, the, the best option on a, on a championship level team. And, and she wasn't. And like, that's not a, it's obviously not a knock on her. It's just a knock on my expectations. Right. Like mm -hmm. that, that list is basically like Alain Deladon, Brianna Stewart, Candace Parker, right? Like we're, we're talking yeah. about the best players in this league. Right. Um, I thought she could have entered, she could enter that, but she, you know, she didn't. I think she'll, um, she'll be fine going forward. I think she's going to be, especially if she can come back to this team yeah. um, next year, which is what I want to talk to you next. Right. So yeah. Lots of choices, lots of yes. choices coming up for the Washington Mystics. So um, next year, they have five players on roster right now. Elena Deladon, Leilani Mitchell, Ariel Atkins, Manisha Hines-Allen, Kiara Leslie. Um, EDD is going to be healthy from everything we've heard. Yeah. Um, and she, she's going to be back. And she's mm -hmm. on the Supermax. And she's going to be here for three years after that. And hopefully forever. Never, yeah, ever, ever, ever leave. <laughs> I know, Never leave. I know. You're good. <laughs> but, uh, if we could sign her to an 18-year contract, that would also be fantastic. Yeah, um, we got to sign Wrigley too. So we've signed yes. Wrigley. That means that yeah, guarantee yeah, it. We gotta no, get Wrigley in. <laughs> Honestly, Wrigley, dog, Wrigley on his Wrigley. hind legs. Yes, her her great Dane. He could put up some minutes yeah. on his hind legs. Yeah, let's um, sign him. Yeah. Uh, so we have unrestricted free agents in Tina Charles, Tiana Hawkins, Emma Misaman, and Ariel Powers. Uh, there are also reserved players, kind of like reserved players are typically players who would be in their rookie seal contract, but for whatever reason, we're either cut from a different team than signed. So it'd be right, Stella Johnson right. or Suggs Sutton, uh, Shug Sutton, excuse me, uh, or uh, a player who was, um, had their contract suspended because they opted out instead of gotten a medical exemption. Those players are also reserved and can only negotiate with the Mystics. So right. hooray, Natasha Cloud and Latoya Sanders can only negotiate with the Mystics. Right. Uh, so those are your big free agents there. Um, they have no draft picks. Yeah. Because of the TN Charles trip. Right. So, big choices coming up this season. Yeah. Of of the free agents that I named, I'll, I'll name the the uh, the veteran free agents again. You have Tina Charles, Tiana Hawkins, Emma Miesemann, Ariel Powers, Latoya Sanders, Natasha Cloud. Of those six, 
who's the one you're putting the most emphasis? Who's, who's your priority uh, in the off season? Hey, first of all, all of them. Um, second of all, <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick one, Christy. I know, you know how I do. I struggle. <laughs> um, but no, I, I would say Ariel powers is the one that um, coach Tebow has said, you know, we're really focused on, on getting her re-signed first and foremost. And I think um, Tina Charles, you know, he has assured uh, the media. I'm saying Coach Tebow has assured the media that uh, Tina Charles wants to be back in D.C., mm-hmm. uh, wants to play with this group. Uh, and that's why she wanted to uh, leave New York, come here. And I just think that for Ariel Powers to be the one, I think she's such a linchpin when it comes to that energy and how she is vibing and 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 feeling mm-hmm. the energy flow with a Natasha Cloud. Like the two of them on the court yeah. together are monsters and they feed off of each other and they give energy to the other players on the court. And I just think she has such a tremendous upside as well in terms of her overall leadership, not just statistically again saying that um, but I just think that she really brings a passion and love to the floor and the, how hard she plays. I just think that it just, you know, I would love to play with her. I would love to play with her. So yes, Mike Tebow said that, but if I'm saying it for myself, I would love to play with her just because of the, the energy that she gives the positive mindset that she carries um, in spite of adversity. Like she's always there to give you a positive energetic uh, word and and she's encouraging so I think the the other player would be for me obviously would be Emma Miesemann mm-hmm. and you know who knows what that's going to look like for Emma because of the Olympics being moved from 2020 yep. to 2021 and um, Euro uh was it Euro Euro basket Euro yeah Euro basket there is yeah Euro basket and and those games and tournaments um that she missed some time for um, not just last year, obviously missing the uh, championship season with the Mystics, but the season before, you know, Mm -hmm. she missed a chunk of time um, when she was with the national team. So, I mean, I don't, and that's, that's going to be, I think that's the most convoluted decision that the Mystics have to make um, or that Emma has to make um, with how she's going to uh, look next year uh, with the Olympics being, in 2021 and then i would say you know I, i'm anxious to see tina charles on yeah, the court with with all the players with sanders and deladon the cloud and oh my god atkins and the list goes on and on um i would just love to see that dynamic but i i was really excited you know before this pandemic hit i was really excited um of the hope of having tina charles emma Miesemann, sanders <laughs> deladon mm-hmm on the floor at the same time. And then here comes Maisha Hines-Allen. Yeah, five minutes for Maisha, you know, now. And I don't know. It, it's just, I don't know. I just think that Emma Miesemann has to be the one um, to come back, hopefully, next year, just so the fans can, yeah. can see that kind of big guard dynamic uh, for the Mystics and the, their ability to spread the floor that way. It's just, to me, that's just intriguing and I, I'm rubbing my hands together um, for that moment. And I love Tiana Hawkins as well. Um, yeah. and I, I'm saying them all in order, but I, I just think that, <laughs> you know, Tiana Hawkins is, is definitely an X factor for the team. I mean, she came in this season and, and really, you know, did some, some great things 
and clutch moments, not clutch moments at the end of games mm-hmm. necessarily, but clutch moments throughout the game when they needed a big shot, when they needed a big rebound, when they needed a, a great block. You know, she was that steadying force for Washington. So, yeah, I, w- I would say definitely um, Tiana Hawkins as well needs to stay here. And she's from here. So yeah. she's from the DMV. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I wonder what Tiana Hawkins' market's going to be. It's going to be a weird, a weird offseason just because, like, you know, you don't know. Yeah. I don't know quite what the market's going to be because I think what you saw last year and Richard Cohen had a great piece on the Her Hoop Stats Substack about. Um, the cap crunch that's coming because yes. a lot of teams spent, including Dallas, which yeah. is part of the reason why Brian Agler is no longer the coach. They spent a lot of money on players who maybe aren't contributing in the way that they thought they were. Mm-hmm. So now you're kind of stuck in a situation where you can't go out and sign free agents. So it's like, well, what's the market for Tiana Hawkins? Mm-hmm. Is there, I think an overarching question here for all of these players is, are they willing to give up any money? Um, to come to come and stay in DC, you know, I know there's going to be a huge market for Ariel Powers. She's 26. She's a player who's shown the ability to score, like like yeah. all the things you mentioned about her off the court as well. Like Ariel's going to have a big market. Um, I assume Tina's also going to have a pretty good big market. Although I think Tina's, I, I'm of all of these players, I think Tina's the most. I'm the most sure that she's going to stay because yeah. the team wants to get her in a Mystics uniform. And yep. she really wants to be here. Yes. Um, in the offseason. So I'm pretty sure she's staying and she wants to play for Mike Tebow again. Yeah. But 2012 MVP. You know, I just I, I wonder if there's gonna be a movement in DC this year to say, hey, let's bring back, let's let's run it back. Let's yeah. run it back at least one more year. Say, because in the going forward, there's also the problem of Ariel Atkins and Maisha Hines Allen becoming free agents. And those are two Following building you. blocks. Yeah. And then, and obviously you have EDD's monster contract and you, you always, you know, we again give EDD that contract for the next 15 years. But you, you, I wonder if there, if that's going to be something that coach Tebow coach slash GM Tebow can convince the players to do, to say, Hey, we're going to give up a little bit of money next year. So we can, we can run this team back and see if we can win a title altogether yeah. especially if that seattle team is back together yeah i think this team would be chomping at the bit yes. to get at them especially Absolutely. with especially with natasha cloud and toy sanders um being reserved quote unquote that they can only negotiate the mystics i think it would behoove right. them to sign a one-year deal mm-hmm. um even if it's slightly less than what they could get right. to, to to come back and make sure that they're free agents next year and so they could run it back and try to get try to get those uh the mm-hmm. storm, which I know I'm, I mean I you know that team is chomping at the bit to try yeah, to match no up doubt. with the storm. No doubt, you know, and I just think that you know, like you said, I mean Washington has no draft picks for 2021. You know, they, they traded their first round pick to New York, and then uh, their second round pick and third round pick to New York as well to get uh, Tina Charles here. And I just think that I you know for Washington. And Coach Tebow, he has said that Stella Johnson could be that yeah. pick for us, you know, yeah. even though obviously she she came out of Ryder and was a rookie this year. But he's he's saying that slot that we missed by giving up, you know, those three picks, you know, I, I think that she's a viable option. And and too bad she rolled her ankle and, and was out um, for the last part of the season. But, but wow, she came in and was certainly impressive. So I just think that, you know, plugging her in – 
plugging in uh, Maisha Hines Allen after the season that she had second team all WNBA this year and Ariel Atkins uh, all defensive team as well um, the accolades for postseason but I just think that you know the confidence that that has come from the experience that these other young players have gotten because yeah. those players are missing and then you have Estella Johnson who's coming in wide-eyed ready to go and and work hard with these vets who have you know, like you said, championship pedigree and mentality. Yeah, they're going to be chomping at the bit to get back and, and get to the postseason and get to those finals again and, and run it back again. So maybe the shirt's going to say run it back yeah. again or the hashtag or whatever. But run I just it think, back, run it, run back, it back to back. Oh, that doesn't work now because we've already had a season. But Yeah, yeah we'll figure something out. You know, we'll be creative <laughs> on Twitter. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think that, you know, with, with those players who are reserved, and there's uh, their suspended contract expired players. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's going to be intriguing as well uh, to see what happens with Suge Sutton. You know, does she stick? Elena Coates, does she stick? Jack yeah. Jamelos, like those those players. You know, who knows? Who knows what that looks like for for Washington? But um, Jackie, Jackie's interesting because Jackie gave him some good minutes. She did. She did. And, and the thing about her uh, is her fight that stands out to me. I mean, I said that about yeah. the whole team as a whole on and off the floor, but uh, Jackie Jamelo as well. What a story, man. Come on. You know, eight knee surgeries and five ACLs and, and 15 years of, of playing the game that she loves. And to end up in the WNBA, I, I just think, you know, it's such a great story. End up and stay healthy too. And stay, stay healthy. healthy and stay healthy for sure. But she's... I kind of like her as a, as a 12th, as a 12th woman here, you know, break glass in case, Hey, we're down by 15. Let's get Jackie in there. And maybe she hits five threes. You never know. Hey, she can go off. (laughs) So yeah, very interesting summer here for the mystics. And, um, you know, I, in Tebow, we trust, right? Like, that's right. (laughs) He's a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, and the team, I mean, when you have Elena Deladon makes, Yes, very very hard decisions. However, when you have Elena Deladon coming back, healthy, yeah. it makes life a lot easier. Yeah, it's rock and roll time. I can't wait, you know, for the season. You know, I don't know how they're going to do the parade. I know fans yeah. are saying, like, the Mystics never got the parade. And just like the L.A. Lakers fans now are like, we ain't, we're not getting the parade or whatever. But, I, you know, it is what it is for right now. It doesn't mean it's forever. Mm-hmm. So 2021 – you know, could look different. And uh, it's right around the corner. And I know. And I, I hope that the fans get to, you know, celebrate with the entire team and, um, and still give them that, you know, still give them that moment and give them, like people are, are saying a lot now, give them their roses, you know. Yes. Uh, and, and the respect. And, and, you know, you have to be, you have to be safe. We understand that. We're not forcing the parade issue, but, I mean, I think the Mystics uh, season last year was was so much fun, and and to see that group back together again for 2021 on the court, I think is is tremendously exciting to say the least, and intriguing uh, contractually to see how uh, Mike Tebow, Eric Tebow, and Asia Jones they, they figure out how how things are are going to be structured, you know, financially, and I think that's, I mean, obviously you want to keep everybody, like I said mm-hmm. initially, but you know, financially, you know, there are, there are some, some situations where, where the salary cap will come into play when they, when they have to choose. So 
you know, good luck to them on that. It's not an easy thing. You know, you're looking at all the numbers and, you know, the five players who are locked in and that's already, um, what does it say? The 2021 salary cap is, is 1.3 million, 1,339. So they have, they have seven, 700,000, uh, wait, 795,260. There you go. Uh, for six to seven players, um, mm. and the, and those players aren't cheap either. So it's no. gonna be a tight fit, um, which is why, which is why I'm I'm suggesting, hey, let's let's all come back for a year. That's the sales pitch. <laughs> let's all come back for a year. Yep. Let's win a title, and and then we'll figure it out. And then after that, yeah, with Atkins and Heinzel, like you said, for 2022, their contracts coming up. Whew. So much to talk about, Gabe. Mm-hmm. As always, we had a lot more to think about until we meet again as well. But, but a great conversation today with you, as always, on Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. It has been a blast, Gabe. And, you know, from, from week to week, I always say, man, I wonder what's going to happen between now and then. And, Boy, there's so much that happened between today and last week. So looking forward to catching up with you again next week, my friend. And check us out on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe and make your comments. We'll see you next time on Courtside.